Let's Talk Crypto with Gabrielle Haynes. Hello, we are here with Mark, one of the co-founders of Numio and director of a business development. How are you doing today, Mark? It's a bright and sunny day here and uh, good to be chatting and hopefully can teach you guys a little bit more about what we're working on. So tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got into crypto. For sure. Um, so I've been in crypto for a few years now. Uh, I bought my first Bitcoin back in 2014. Uh, really got my uh, my hands dirty in the industry um, a couple of years later in 2017, 2018, um, doing some work uh, with a group called the Cryptocurrency Investing Network, uh, ran all the um, business development and sales there. And um, I worked with them for a little while and then decided that I wanted to sort of get more involved in the in actually building projects and not just little like, um, I guess, smaller like contract um, deals with a variety of projects. I, I actually wanted to be uh, more involved in actually building out uh, this ecosystem. What was there? Um, so what I, was? What does that uh, business do? I, I've never heard of it. Um, so they are. They're pretty big on uh, on social media. They do. Uh, different types of like advertising, um, marketing, and like interviews and things like that. Um, they're mostly known on Facebook. Uh, they have a network of about 1.5 million people. Um, the largest part of it is a group called Cryptocurrency Investing. Um, it was a, an organization that was started by a guy called Jeff Kredakis, um, who's He's now the founder of TrustSwap. He previously started uh, Uptrend and is working with tons and tons of projects in the in the crypto space now. Um, I've, I've heard of him. I've, I've seen him on Facebook. He's pretty active there. Yes. So he pretty much owns that entire domain. And um, I essentially was the one working directly with the uh, like the individual projects, whether they're like from ideation stage or projects that were between like a market cap of like 500 mil to a billion. Um, so it was a very wide variety of like projects and organizations that we were working with. Um, and uh, I, I just decided that I, I didn't want to do just like these not necessarily like one-off contract deals, but um, I, I just wanted to actually focus on on one project and, and be a part of building it. Um, and uh, that, that's sort of what got me more into actually building in the industry, um, getting involved with um, a couple of different projects over the last couple of years and um, have now, I guess last year I, I started uh, Numio and have been uh, pretty focused on that and have been helping out a couple other projects in the space um, since then. Um, some of those projects are uh, Phoenix Dow, um, Uptrend, and then um, obviously the one where we got connected uh, initially, which is uh, the Index Co-op. Um, so Definitely have my hands full to, to say the least, uh, but uh, 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 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's quite a bit. I didn't know you're involved with so many. Um, tell me, tell me about the DAO. I, I haven't heard of them. Maybe you could just briefly tell me what they're all about. Um, sure. So, so Phoenix DAO is a project um, that uh, essentially forked off from a, a previously existing project. Um, the community wasn't really happy with the direction of where it was going. And uh, they essentially forked it off and, and took their community and their focus in another route. Um, right now, they are um, pretty excited about a launch that they're currently working on at the moment, uh, which is around this events marketplace uh, that they're about to launch. So it allows for pretty much anyone anywhere around the world to go and uh, create an event. And these events that you're creating are in the form of an NFT. Um, and then you can then sell uh, different types of tickets, which are also in the form of an NFT. Um, and then those sick, those tickets can be sold, whether they're free or paid, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, so it's a really awesome starting point uh, for how the I guess the, the events industry is going to be impacted, not necessarily by like, I would say like crypto and blockchain, but more so what you're able to do with smart contracts. Um, I, I think it, it's really uh, showing the, the power and beauty of, of what you can do with smart contracts um, and everything around that. Um, that ecosystem. Um, Numio, the company that, that I have founded, um, or I have co-founded, I should say, uh, we are working fairly closely with them. Um, they built out um, a identity contract um, a little while ago, uh, which we will be implementing into uh, our mobile application. So a little bit about like what Numio is doing is like we're, we're aiming to give you more control over your identity and your money. And one of the aspect, aspects of that is obviously uh, what you're doing uh, within identity management around Web3. And a big key part of that is civil resistance. And one of the aspects of what uh, we're going to be, what we're doing with um, their team is enabling for uh, the creation of on-chain identities, uh, which allows you to have something to essentially uh, link back to uh, when you're dealing with uh, pretty much any type of um, identifier. So when you're looking at like a, a wallet or um, I don't know, any type of interaction that you're doing online, um, it's essentially done in a pseudo anonymous manner. And you're able to build a reputation around your, whether it's like your wallet, your address, or even an identity. And uh, that helps you to build a uh, reputation around that. Um, and this then allows you to access uh, additional functionalities uh, that you may have not had uh, previously. So it, it essentially allows you to build a trust score or, or reputation around uh, what you're doing. So one of the, I would say, one of the earlier innovators uh, for that, um, I would say, is probably Gitcoin. Uh, they're probably one of the, the first implementations that I've seen around focusing on building out your reputation. Um, and by the way, if any of you guys are listening and you are on Gitcoin, go and donate to Gabriel on the, the Gitcoin grants. Um, <laughs> so just give me a little 
little shout out. <laughs> um, but uh, essentially what that allows you to do is it gives you more of a, a higher trust score uh, that you can, when you're, I guess, donating on Gitcoin, you can receive um, a higher uh, donation from the quadratic funding formula. And um, so we're, we're starting to see a lot more uh, functionalities when it comes to what you can do in Web3 uh, with identity management. It's really just starting to scratch the surface. And our, our goal as with what we're building is essentially to be the backbone of that. Um, and uh, tying in different types of, of infrastructure um, to allow for that to occur. Uh, so things like on-chain identities, um, enabling for text stacks like identity index or ceramic network uh, to tie that all into uh, what we're building within uh, the application layer. A lot to unpack there. Let's talk Gitcoin a little bit. So Gitcoin has this functionality you're referring to. You have to, mm -hmm. you have to basically identify yourself in various ways, and they do this in order to prevent people just making them you know, a million accounts and then donating to themselves, right? Because Gitcoin is based on matching partners, right? So that um, in, in Gitcoin, if you are contributing on Gitcoin, then it's very important that you fill out some of those parameters like the uh, bright ID. Um, and those will actually, once you fill those out, then you'll actually get a higher matching bonus because they confirm your identity. Um, and, and they also have, you know, various other things that they're doing in order to try to confirm who you are, like connecting social media and stuff like that. Um, so you're saying in Numio, are, are you going to employ similar methods in order to, you know, confirm people's identities or is it going to be, you, you said something about on-chain transactions, which, um, it's being done to a certain degree like getting whitelisted, for example, in a, uh, you know, a new project like float, for example, if you had voted on different governance, then you could participate in like early part of that pool, which is kind of establishing an identity as well. But I think mm -hmm. uh, you guys have kind of a, a bigger scope. So tell me a little bit about that. Sure. So I, I guess what, what you're referring to in terms of like an on-chain transaction, um, like let, let's say you've created a wallet on, on Ethereum, for example, and that wallet has obviously had no previous, um, I guess, interactions with other smart contracts, addresses, or anyone in general. Uh, that means that that address currently is an anonymous address because it has no interactions whatsoever. And as you are doing different types of transactions, um, interacting with different types of smart contracts, um, platforms and projects that creates a little bit of a reputation around your account or your address uh, that you can that you can refer to. Um, is that a large amount of uh, reputation? Probably not because anyone can frankly go and do that. Uh, those aren't necessarily hard things to to mimic. Uh, but there are other things that you can do um, that will allow you to essentially build out that reputation. So there's there's different levels of reputation, um, and you can already sort of see how that operates 
um, on Gitcoin, for example. So you can uh, tie in your um, different types of social accounts. You can tie in different types of, uh, you'll be able to tie in different types of blog posts um, and aspects like that, which will essentially increase your, your trust level. Uh, so people can go to this, to a certain um, deep profile or just profile in general and say, oh, okay, like this is actually a, a legitimate account uh, or this is a legitimate profile. Um, and what we're doing uh, currently is we're attacking this, the civil resistance issue uh, from the top bottom. Um, and I should say doing these types of things is completely optional. It always should be optional, especially when you're dealing with Web3, because if it's not optional, that means it's uh, most likely centralized. Um, and when you're dealing with this, um, we're attacking it from the top bottom in terms of, um, I guess, trust and enabling for civil resistance. Um, and the highest level of civil resistance is for identity verification. So essentially going through um, and essentially verifying an identity and saying that this account has been, uh, like, for example, KYC verified and saying that they are an actual human being, they are not money laundering, they are a legitimate person. That is the highest of the highest levels. Um, obviously not everyone around the world can do that because not everyone has um, obviously account documentation. So there are uh, additional ways that you can go uh, and verify yourself. Um, and some of those ways are tying in additional, uh, for example, Ethereum addresses, Bitcoin addresses. Uh, you can tie in uh, social accounts. So like your Twitter, your Facebook, uh, your GitHub account, um, and tying in different types of like blog posts, uh, for example. So saying like that you have essentially ownership uh, over these posts or even accounts um, or these on-chain transactions. And by doing so, it allows you to build up your reputation on this, this core identity um, whether that's stored in the form of like an on-chain identity or if that's stored in like a server or IPFS, um, it, can, it can vary uh, with how that information is, um, is managed. Gotcha, gotcha. So how do I, you know, let's say I wanna take a loan or something, right? What okay. transactions are you looking at in order to, I don't know, verify that I'm going to pay back in time? Or is that not something that you're trying to do? So at the moment, that is not something like that we are focused on. Um, there are projects that are working on that. And having some of this infrastructure, like having uh, essentially like decentralized reputation, decentralized identities, allows for that type of infrastructure to then get developed and built. Um, so we're, we're fairly early on in terms of where like deep profiles and decentralized identities are sort of operating in, in Web3. Um, I, I would imagine over the next six, 12, 18 months that that is going to start 
to blossom and, and grow in a, in a pretty large manner. Um, my, my intuition is we've been going through like different types of cycles of what is like the next quote unquote big thing. Um, obviously like right now we're going through like a big NFT metaverse, um, I would say life cycle. And I, I would say that most likely the next, next life cycle that we're probably going to have is going to be around um, decentralized identities. Uh, because there's going to be a lot of underlying infrastructure that people are going to be able to build off of to allow for, let's say, like an undercollateralized loan uh, to, to take effect. Um, obviously, there are projects that are focused on doing that right now. Um, I believe Teller is, is one of them. Um, but having that will allow for a variety of things that you can do. Um, like that was one of the functionalities uh, that Circles uh, or Circle, I forget what the name of the project is, um, essentially was doing when they first launched to allow you to receive uh, UBI, uh, you had to have essentially like this trust circle. And that is just focused on the, the Circle ecosystem. And the goal with decentralized identities is to have a a much larger ecosystem um, that people can build off of and allow for certain accounts and profiles that have received some type of threshold of verification to access certain types of technologies, whether that's an under collateralized loan, whether that's UBI, or frankly, whether that's some new idea that a person comes up with. Uh, because I wouldn't be surprised if someone creates some really cool protocol uh, that whitelists specific addresses that have received a certain level of verification or trust or, or reputation, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I have a very strong intuition that that's going to be occurring over the next, uh, I, would ne I would say the next six to 12 months. Very interesting because you see, you know, one thing you see a lot on, especially crypto Twitter, is uh, all these anonymous accounts, and people are already building these identities socially, if not financially. You know, they're building trust. You know, um, mm -hmm. so definitely being able to link these trusted anonymous accounts um, would be quite valuable right with like some sort of like a credit system or something like that um and uh, you brought up the ubi um <laughs> someone at the time was like we're gonna make an anonymous ubi because it's not fair i don't know if you saw that but i'm not sure if that project went anywhere but um it's kind of a, <laughs> a similar idea so these um it, it's very interesting how identities are evolving. Like, what does it mean to have an identity? It's not even a name anymore. It's uh, it's something beyond that, right? No, definitely. I, I mean, I, I think some of the people around the world are, are starting to get an idea of, of what that actually means. Um, I mean, realistically, like every single person um, who has like, let's say like a social security number, for example, like, your identity is not necessarily like a name. It's really a number. 
uh, when you're looking at it in like the government perspective. And when you're looking at it from like a blockchain perspective, your identity is a string of numbers and letters. And like that, that's realistically how it is. And as we're moving forward, that, that type of understanding and, and communication is, is just going to evolve. Um, and um, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited to see how, how these technologies are going to be able to grow, especially in a pseudo-anonymous manner, uh, because it's really important as, as DeFi continues to grow that we don't necessarily have to give up that type of, uh, I guess, personal information because not only can that be potentially like a risk for people, uh, but it can be, uh, I don't know, I think it, it can realistically, I think like the, the bottom line is it can potentially be a risk for people to do that. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's, um, I don't know if I have anything else to share about that point, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the real question is how does this interact with our traditional system, right? So are, you know, building out your product, are you trying to link this to like banks eventually, or, or is that not the goal? Like what, what are you trying to enable? Um, well, we're trying to enable for people to, to essentially use um, like Numio is infrastructure to build these types of solutions. So uh, allowing for people to tap into those types of reputation um, within the Numio system uh, to say, okay, like these are certain white labeled addresses that we can ensure that are, um, that are verified and um, are hitting a certain threshold and we can legitimize those specific addresses so they can essentially interact with this um, project, for example. And the idea behind that is it will hopefully allow for additional tech to be utilized in, in Web3. Um, but at the moment, it's mainly being used, like our, our goal for it in the, in the short term is to allow for people to be onboarded and verify themselves um, onto a variety of different types of platforms without necessarily having to be verified. Uh, so for example, one of the big things is, let's say with a, a social media platform, um, there's always a constant issue with um, bots, for example. And uh, we can go and work right now with uh, different types of social media platforms and saying, hey, have your users be onboarded um, through Numio. They can essentially get themselves verified and prove their, uh, their authenticity by going through this verification process or hitting a certain uh, level of trust to know that they are not a bot. Um, and that they are actually like human beings and that they're able to interact on these types of platforms uh, in that manner. Um, that's, that, that's essentially what we're looking to, to help solve 
in the in the near future, but in the I guess the long term goal is to essentially allow for for Numio to be the the backbone to allow for people to build additional infrastructure uh, like smart contracts and, and protocols and uh, just I guess additional products in general um, that utilize uh, different types of decentralized accounts and profiles. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you're basically just kind of collecting the data and then people will take that information and apply it wherever they want. I would say that it, that would, yeah, it's an accurate statement. Um, not necessarily that we're, I, I shouldn't say like that we're necessarily like storing it. We essentially just store like, okay, you've been, you essentially have like a check mark and that you're verified or um, whatever it may be. Cause we're not necessarily, we're not really storing like information. We're just storing like um, a verification of, of data around, uh, around identities and accounts. I should say analyzing the data, not storing. You're yes. analyzing yeah. the data and then you provide the data set and then people can be like, okay, we can, you know, give loans based on this information or we can, I don't know, I don't know what, um, maybe some sort of like, yeah, you can do some sort of like memberships and, and all, all, sorts of, all sorts of different niches, I, I assume would find this information quite valuable because it's like active people, right? So yeah, well, that, that is, well, it depends. <laughs> you don't necessarily know for sure. Uh, I mean, you can, you can verify if someone is, is active based off of whether they've done like on-chain transactions, but beyond that, um, not entirely. Uh, if they're just interacting on like social profiles, I guess you could, um, but just an account in general, there's, there's no way to essentially say, okay, this person is active or, or not. Um, it just depends on whether they are using other things to show their to show their activity. Um, got you. Got I think, you. I think we're. I think we might be on the same page or trying to communicate the same thing there. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. No, because initially I thought that you were trying to kind of create infrastructure around these identities. Now I, I understand that like you're just like a data like provider. Like just how Chainlink provides good information about price feeds, you can provide certain information about addresses, right? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you also told me earlier that you're kind of, you're like, you have an L2 integration and you have like a wallet. So maybe, maybe tell me about that. Sure, so yeah, as I mentioned, like. I guess what we're doing is giving you more control over your identity and your money. We've already talked about what we're doing around the identity aspect, uh, but obviously um, money is a big piece of what we are building. Um, and we are very focused around how we are trying to give people more control um, over their money in the Ethereum ecosystem. Um, so we have built out a uh, mobile application, uh, which is now live as of um, the end of last year, early this year. Uh, so we've been live for about two and a half months. 
And it was the first uh, mobile app launched on Google Play supporting ZK rollups and the first product um, which is supporting uh, ZK Sync. Uh, so ZK Sync is um, a implementation of a ZK rollup. And uh, we are uh, pretty focused on building out on that specific implementation of a rollup um, and what they're essentially doing for the Ethereum ecosystem. So we're, we're very excited about what is going to happen over the next few months, uh, especially with L2. And um, it's going to be a, a very, uh, very hectic year, but um, I'm excited for it. Um, are you familiar with with zk sync or like zk rollups in general i i am familiar um you're probably a lot more familiar than i am but i think it is good to i'll 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 say what i know and maybe you can fill in some but basically a zero knowledge proof is a way of computing transactions much faster and the way you do this is by having the transactions done in a local network. It's not even a network, just like a, it's called a Merkle tree, right? And then at mm -hmm. the end, you present a proof to the network and say, this is, a, this is the end state of all of those transactions. So instead of processing each of the transactions inside, you can actually show that this is the end state. And it's very easy for a computer to check if the math was done correctly but it's very hard to fake. And I think that's in general what the ZK rollups are about. Yes, so pretty much everything that you've said there is correct. Um, one of the things that I do wanna clarify is there is a, a proof that is generated for every single transaction. And all of those proofs that are generated are essentially then bundled together and then stored um, in some form or fashion, whether that uh, whether that proof is stored like on chain or just held off chain, whether it's like a, a validium structure. Um, so in a zk rollup structure, um, you're going and bundling all of these uh, these proofs that are created. Um, I guess you can think of it similar to a transaction hash on on a zk rollup, and they're all bundled together and that data is then stored onto uh, the Ethereum blockchain. So you can essentially have what I like to call like a breadcrumb of data um, for different types of account balances and, um, and things like that. Um, when you're dealing with a, a Validium infrastructure, all of that data is actually not stored on chain, it's stored off chain in the cloud. So when you're computing these proofs, they're actually all done off chain. It's just whether that data is then stored on chain um, with a ZK rollup, or if it is stored off chain um, by the validators in the cloud, uh, for example. So you can essentially like store that data like in, in AWS um, as, as an example. Um, so it, it just depends on I guess how you're how you're storing it to dif differentiate between like a rollup and a a validium, um, and uh, this has been a really awesome way to to scale the Ethereum network um, because you're able to take a significant amount of computation cost uh, off of the Ethereum mainnet. So to give you an idea of the computation costs 
for interacting on, like, let's say like a rollup, um, for example. Um, when you're going and interacting on the Ethereum mainnet, uh, the, I guess, computation cost required or gas requ required for just like a regular um, ETH transaction is about 21,000. Uh, when you're trying to send a transaction uh, with an ERC-20, um, it has a, a little bit more of a variable. It's usually between like 37,000 and like 61,000 uh, gas required for those transactions. And then when you're interacting with a ZK rollup, it's 650. So it is a massive, massive drop um, in costs uh, required for computation. Um, and the amount of data that you are creating through these um, ZK proofs or in a, in a ZK rollup, um, it would be a ZK snark, um, which is just a different style of a zero knowledge proof. Um, that data is able to be not only communicated very quickly, but the byte size is so small, uh, which allows for the computation costs to then drop uh, a significant amount. So when you're looking at a ZK rollup, you can generally think that computation costs are going to be about one one hundredth um, of the cost on a ZK rollup, uh, rather than what it would be on the Ethereum main network. Um, and as we're looking into different types of actual general computation. So when I refer to general computation, I mean taking the EVM or what you're essentially doing on the Ethereum network onto layer two, those costs go down dramatically. Um, and that will essentially allow for the Ethereum network to actually survive. Um, and live into what we hope and aspire it to be. Um, because obviously right now, if Ethereum continues as it is, it will surely die because it's too expensive. It's essentially like a Fortune 500 chain. Um, and some of these layer two technologies like a ZK rollup, a Validium, or even optimistic rollups, uh, they are essentially going to allow for this technology uh, to survive. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited uh, to be a, a big part of helping to, to lead, lead the way in terms of, I guess, layer two tech and uh, what that essentially will enable for, for Ethereum and essentially everything that we're building. So you decided to go with ZK Sync or Matter Labs? Correct. Well, why? Sure. So, well, th th this is a, a, I guess, a little bit of a, a longer conversation in terms of why we went with them. Um, there are a few, um, as many people know, there are a few layer two solutions out there uh, right now. And I'll sort of break down like our, our thought process uh, behind a lot of this. So uh, first things first is we wanted to have on-chain data availability. So um, meaning when you're sending a transaction, 
we want to have essentially breadcrumbs uh, for people to know that, okay, if my account balance was um, X on a certain date, um, I can know that five, 10 years down the line that the account balance will still be the same no matter what. Um, obviously, assuming that the Ethereum network is, is still around and still kicking. Um, but uh, we wanted to make sure that our scaling solution had uh, on-chain data availability. So that just means that uh, you can't really reorg the layer two network. Um, those funds are never able to be stolen. And that it just brings a much higher level of security. So that took out uh, a few implementations that we were that we were exploring. So uh, for example, like Validium and what is being developed uh, by the team at Starkware uh, that also removed uh, Plasma as well as pretty much any type of sidechain implementation. And then from there, we wanted to look at um, EVM compatibility. So what I mean by EVM compatibility is the ability to go and take any existing Solidity smart contract and move it onto uh, the ZK rollup. So this can be done using uh, a couple different technologies. This can be done using um, pretty much any optimistic rollup, uh, as well as um, one ZK roll, obviously, which is uh, which is ZK sync. There are other ZK rollups that are out there uh, currently, uh, but none of them are able to uh, compute the Ethereum virtual machine, um, or they are not going to be able to do so in the future. So some of the some of the um, ZK rollups out there right now that have obviously done really, really well, and I think are going to continue doing really well, uh, but they do have that lack of um, the capability of being able to be EVM compatible. So some of those are like uh, ZK swap, as well as uh, loopring. Um, they just aren't going to be able to um, process the Ethereum virtual machine unless they make a, a big infrastructural um, change uh, with how that rollup is being built. Um, so that essentially knocked those solutions out uh, from when we were when we were looking at this. So that sort of left us with uh, zk sync and optimistic rollups. And with an optimistic rollup, especially at the time when we were when we were researching this, uh, they weren't even on mainnet. They weren't even on private mainnet. Uh, they still are on private mainnet. Um, and their actual public mainnet still has not launched. So we were looking at that and we were like, all right, there are still some concerns uh, about optimistic rollups, um, especially with um, how they use fraud proofs in the, in the exit process uh, with, with an optimistic rollup. Uh, there has been discussion about um, attack vectors for uh, different types of attacks specifically to a rollup. Um, I don't know necessarily how, um, I guess what the chances of, our, of those are uh, occurring, but we won't necessarily know that until um, it's on mainnet for a significant amount of time. Um, obviously, 
optimistic rollups are planning to be launched on mainnet very shortly, which is really exciting for the Ethereum ecosystem. And I'm I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how they progress over the next few months. Um, but that does bring a lot of risk, especially when you're building out um, the user interface side of things. Because if you're a user, you want to necessarily be able to quote unquote, trust the underlying tech that you're using. And when we're bringing a technology to an end user, we want them to be able to know and um, ensure that it's going to be a secure interaction, um, especially with all the tech that they are using. Um, and so that sort of left us uh, with essentially ZK Sync. Um, obviously ZK Sync um, currently in its current form is not uh, EVM compatible. They will be, however, uh, they have, uh, they already have uh, the Zinc virtual machine, uh, which is a framework for enabling for um, Solidity smart contracts to be developed on a ZK rollup um, using the, using Rust as a language. And more importantly, uh, they are also creating and going to be uh, releasing a Solidity compiler. Uh, so a Solidity compiler means that you're going to take any existing Solidity smart contract and essentially place it into this compiler, which will translate that into Rust, which will allow it to run on the Zinc virtual machine, uh, which will be uh, ZK Sync's uh, virtual machine, allowing it to uh, process uh, smart contracts. So you can think of Zinc VM or ZK Sync being the general computation layer uh, for Ethereum on layer two. And everything that I have mentioned uh, is going to be live this year. Um, and so I'm, I'm very excited about what is going to occur, especially on layer two, and how that's going to enable for a lot of these technologies to, to thrive, uh, because it's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty game changing. And uh, we're here to, to essentially be at the forefront of it all. Very cool, very cool. Um, what so that that was a lot that was a lot of information do i need to like break down any of that yeah that was i mean that was a whole lot of um but but i think the i think that the most important thing is like you know what is the experience from the user's perspective you know what do they what what's going to happen when they open their wallet like what are they going to see i mean this this kind of like the breakdown is kind of technical but you know, we, we want the, uh, the, the, the talkless, that's what they say in Hebrew, talkless, the bottom line. <laughs> okay, sure. So essentially the bottom line is to make layer two have just as close of a user experience that you will have on the layer one. Um, and I will be honest right now, you currently don't just because you don't have all of those DeFi functionalities on layer two. Like that is really the only difference in terms of, uh, of functionality, especially when it comes to, um, I guess, UX. 
Um, one of the big differences that you do have um, at the moment uh, with layer two, uh, which will be changing in the future, is that you have to essentially pay the uh, layer two network, specifically with, uh, with regards to a ZK rollup. Uh, you have to pay to uh, store your account uh, information on L2. So when you're going and sending your first transaction, you have to pay a small amount of, of gas uh, to essentially um, store your, um, essentially your Merkle tree. Uh, so like your account ID, your balances, um, and your uh, essentially like your public key um, on L2. And the good thing is, is that will be changing in the future is that will be handled uh, by the L2 validators. So when the validation process of the ZK rollup becomes decentralized, uh, which, which will occur in the future, right now there is only one uh, validator of the ZK rollup, which is Matter Labs, um, that, that will be decentralized um, and allow for that data to be handled and uh, communicated uh, without having any cost to, to the end user. Uh, but that is not the case currently. When you're going in and sending a transaction, um, it's going to be the same exact uh, UX that you would, that you would have uh, on Ethereum, but better, mainly because you're able to have gasless transactions. So when you're going and sending a transaction uh, on L2, uh, it's able to support um, transactions with the fees being paid in the native token. Um, so let's say, for example, I want to send DAI or USDC. Uh, when you're transacting on L2, on a ZK rollup, for example, uh, you don't have to hold ETH in your wallet. All those transactions can be uh, sent and paid for uh, using the native token, um, which is possible now on, on layer one, but it's significantly more expensive because you have to use relayers, um, smart wallets, and meta transactions. So that computation cost is significantly higher. And when you're doing that on L2, um, it's obviously um, a fraction of what it would be on layer one. So that's one of the big benefits that you will see uh, for layer two transactions. Um, when it comes to essentially like a, a DeFi interaction, um, it's going to be a very similar functionality. Um, obviously you still have that, that gasless nature, um, but you're going to be able to make swaps and trades in the same fashion that you would on the Ethereum main network. Um, it's essentially mimicking everything that you're doing on, on L1 in, in an L2 environment. Um, so it's essentially taking everything that is great about the Ethereum network and just moving it into a scaled environment without giving up any type of security. Um, does, that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. Um, I, I've had that experience of sending it actually when using Gitcoin, they also use ZK Sync. And you, mm -hmm. yeah, you can just select basically which token you want to pay in. 
which is which is kind of a nice feature. Um, so when when a user is using your your uh, solution, are they going to be connecting like wallets connect or like is it going to be like apps within the wallet? What do you envision? I mean, most likely it's going to be a combination. Obviously, for the most used applications, it's going to be living directly within the app. Um, but we are going to look to, to integrate things like Wallet Connect so people can interact with things that don't currently exist uh, within the application um, that is on our that is on our roadmap. Um, but um, the, the goal is to have as many different types of functionalities built directly into the interface so they don't have to use Wallet Connect because that's just, that's an additional, I don't want to say pain point, but it's additional steps that you have to do as a user to interact with certain things. And the majority of people, frankly, won't necessarily understand um, what Wallet Connect is, how that operates, and the majority of people like around the world don't even have um, laptops. A lot of them are just mobile first and mobile only users. So they, they need to have those types of functionalities um, built directly into their, um, I guess that, that this mobile interface, if that makes sense. Yeah, unfortunately DeFi and like crypto in general on Ethereum isn't really too mobile friendly. No, <laughs> it's not. But uh, although I, I to change. So. Yeah, actually, so I um, a couple of days ago there was the Ether cards um, in sale. I don't know if you heard about that, but um, basically an NFT drop. And I was really surprised because I logged in. I actually bought the NFT completely from my phone using Argent and Wallet Connect. And it was super smooth. Like it just, I clicked on Wallet Connect, took me into Argent, just approved, took me back to the site, confirmed the transaction and it was done. And that was the first time I actually did that directly, everything on phone, which was pretty impressive. Usually it's kind of a hassle, but this was really smooth. So I, I'm, uh, I'm hoping there'll be more of this uh, phone action, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the goal. Because um, I, I would say probably, I was looking at uh, some stats recently and the majority of transactions that are occurring, like I, I believe it was traditional finance. Let me see if I can actually pull it up. So I'm not just spouting just random numbers. Um, give me one second um, also say that in china they're very big into DeFi on your phone and yes. they were uh, harvest has a big chinese community and they actually built out like a mobile like web app for them and that was like they they were like super skeptical at first they're like what well, you, you want to do this on your phone and they're like, oh yeah, we, and they're like, they love it over there. So pretty, pretty interesting how like different, uh, you know, different habits from different users. Cause I certainly don't do too much on my phone. 
Yeah, I mean, to be to be perfectly honest, I don't a ton. Uh, I mean, I'm starting to do it a lot more. Um, but I mean, people around the world, they are using mobile wallets a massive in like in a massive amount. So I'm I'm looking at numbers right now. Um in 2019, in terms of uh, point of sale spending, it was uh, 21% of like how many uh, different types of payment methods that were used. It was uh, digital wallets, credit cards, debit cards, and cash. And um, digital wallets were the, uh, I should say, they, I, they aren't the only one that grew. I was digital wallets and credit cards both grew. Uh, but digital wallets now amount for uh, the most or the highest percentage of uh, POS spending, which is, I was expecting for that to happen closer to like 2025, but um, pretty crazy that it's it's growing uh, that quickly. Uh, and I, I think a big part of that comes to um, COVID happening uh, this past year, just because no one wants to use cash. Everyone is going completely digital uh, with everything that they're doing. And um, which is, uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, like how, how quickly, I guess, uh, perceptions of technologies change and the um, adoption of different types of tech have have changed one of which is qr codes like qr codes were, were like a dying industry um about a year and a half two years ago and now with covid everyone understands and uses qr codes now um like through their phone and um it, it's pretty interesting how how some of these like external um events and situations have impacted the growth of specific types of technologies, um, obviously one of which is uh, mobile wallets. Yeah, COVID definitely kind of compressed some of these trends and also probably contributed a lot to crypto in general, just the speed of development and just users. I certainly got into it during COVID. So um, yeah, so take me, uh, Actually, I have one more question. Um, so how are you going to generate revenue? Like where is the business from, uh, you know, where's the cash flow coming sure. in? Sure. Sure. So a lot of that is going to occur um, through transactional based revenue. So um, as we build in functionalities on L2 for like trading, swapping, um, generating yield for like yield aggregators. Um, that's essentially, that, that's going to be like the main way uh, that we are able to generate revenue. Um, so like for swaps, essentially charging a certain amount of uh, BIPs on each trade, or if it's uh, with a yield aggregator, one of the things that has become popular, popularized over the last uh, a few months is essentially working with specific yield aggregators where they um, share a percentage of the revenue that's generated um, with different types of companies. Um, so those are ways that we're able to generate uh, revenue through DeFi. Um, when it comes to identity management, uh, we're able to generate revenue um, by essentially working with 
uh, other businesses and saying that a specific account has been verified. Um, and they would essentially pay us for um, each uh, verified account or user. Mm-hmm. I see, I see. Okay. Um, yeah, so maybe take me a little bit out of uh, Numio. Is there anything in DeFi now that's getting you particularly excited? Any projects, um, NFTs, anything like that? Um, I would say one of the things that I am really curious to see what happens is around NFTs and automated market makers. Um, I know NFTX is one of like the the early innovators for that. Um, I have honestly like no clue what's going to happen like with that that niche or topic. Um, but that's something like I'm very curious to see like how that develops. Um, like I think there's no doubt that we're definitely in like an NFT bubble right now. Um, and I'm super, super excited to see how NFTs and just like that whole industry grows over the next, I would say, year and a half to two years. I think we're going to see some really, really cool stuff um, being being launched. And um, I, I think the, not necessarily like the artwork and um I guess the tools there, I, that's not necessarily like what I'm like really excited about because that, that's been around. I, I'm really curious to see what the infrastructure is like um, for that tech and how that can be used to interact with, with DeFi. Um, one, I guess, example that I've seen uh, very recently um, was how you can create uh, effectively an NFT into becoming um, a money market. Um, I, I saw the, the team with Rari launched Fuse, uh, which I think was, it was a little bit hyped, um, but uh, I, I was really impressed with what they, with what they built um, with that technology, uh, essentially create, allowing you to create any asset into a money market, which is really, really valuable. And I'm curious to see how that, type of technology will eventually like cross over into the NFT space. Um, obviously you can already go and like lend and borrow socks, uh, like the, the ERC20 token, um, but how you're going to be able to interact with like actual NFTs and being able to interact with um, like real estate in the form of an NFT through those types of money markets. Like I, I'm, I'm very curious and like slightly excited to see how that develops. Um, but uh, I, cause I have no clue what's going to happen there. None whatsoever. <laughs> um, but uh, it's definitely a very, um, I guess it's more, it's, it's in its infancy. So I'm, I'm excited to see how that uh, develops and grows out. If you like that kind of stuff, you should check out ruler. Have you heard of them? I've heard the name, but I've honestly like never really like dug into it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's by the cover team, the cover protocol. Um, okay. it, it's also a lending 
and borrowing platform, but they do it in a much more in much different way than these other markets. So it's actually no liquidation. So you can take out a loan on the underlying collateral. And then as long as you pay back by a certain time, like usually it's a month period, then you will get back your full collateral with no risk of being liquidated in the process. Um, so it's actually it's actually pretty nice because it's it's not really based on uh, there's there's a lot less risk for the protocol because in these other projects like um, Compound or Fuse, you're you're borrowing actually from somebody. Here you're actually just borrowing from a pool, and so this uh, allows them to make markets on very e-liquid tokens like CryptoPunks, for example. So I, I think that this ruler is pretty interesting and it's um, pretty unique in this. So check it out if you're if you're if you're curious to learn more. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, no, I'll definitely I'll definitely check that out. Um, I, I love like sort of toying around and playing with some of these like these random projects. Um, I don't know like how many of them I'll, I'll actually end up using uh, to sort of like live off of and and use like for like my daily life. Um, but I, I think they, they're all trying to target like specific little niches. So it's, 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 it's cool to see how they're, uh, how they're launching and, and building this stuff out. But I'll, I'll definitely take a look at that. Um, for me, just being like somewhat of a, a DeFi degenerate, is there anything on, on your radar uh, that you've been, that you've been looking into um, for me to, I guess me and some of the viewers to sort of check out um, what's what's going on um, or anything like to to sign up to. I know there was like an airdrop that you were you were talking about uh, that was like a hundred thousand dollars that you guys got um, that you were you promoted on your channel. Is there anything that that I should uh, have my my eyes open for over the next few weeks? All right, you're asking the good questions here. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, I really like shared stake. It's like okay. an ETH 2.0 staking solution and they're gonna have an airdrop soon. Um, I think at the end of April and there is a, like an article here that explains uh, how, how to get in. Um, but I think that this is, I like this a lot. I don't know, I, I've been helping them out. I'm, an advisor over there. So I talked to the team a couple of times. Um, okay. So yeah, like, I think that's very good. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know how deep I should go with this, but I, in general, <laughs> I like, if you can get a project that's pretty low market cap, you know, right now, if you can find a you know legit project with a good team and, and good community and they actually have a working project and the market cap is under 10 million, I think those are, are really good opportunities um, because yeah, they just have tons of room for growth. So that's um, that's my alpha leak for you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> No, definitely. I mean, we're, we're, we're in a full fledged bull market. If you're under like 
10, $20 million in market cap, that is like, that is a bull market micro cap. So if you're, if you're not in them and you find something good, dive in. So dive in, degen in, <laughs> this is not financial advice. Please don't listen <laughs> to anything I said because oh, you'll me. lose all your money. Okay, please. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually don't, don't do that. Be careful. <laughs> but, um, Cool. Um, well, I don't know if I have anything else that I want to share, um, but definitely like, definitely take a look out on uh, on what we're building and, and what's to come uh, with with Numio. Um, if you want to want to stay tuned, you can feel free to follow us um, on Twitter. We're on Twitter, um, Facebook. Uh, we started up a TikTok channel doing like some nice, nice. like educational content. Um, and you can also find us on Telegram as well. But um, yeah, definitely stay tuned. Lots of exciting stuff to come and uh, look forward to, to bringing to you guys on, on the forefront. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate the time. Learned a lot here. I'm looking forward to using your app and we'll talk soon. Cheers, man. Have a good one.